0: So Ninja News Japan is back. Uh, four weeks ago, I got the corona, which sucks. And then I went into isolation. And then after isolation, I had to go on my summer vacation to Canada, which sounds good, but it was actually really stressful. I plan to do that whole entire story next week in McBee. So if you're in vaguely interested in what it's like to be isolated in Japan and my experience with coronavirus, and then traveling. Please check out next week's C McBee. I'm not going to actually say you should subscribe to that, because if you haven't yet, there's a reason you haven't, and you don't want to, and okay, that's fine. I'm not going to say anything about it. My notes are a mess. Because I have notes from before, the before times, uh, before I got sick. And then I have some random notes for the during, where I tried to, you know, be diligent and, and stay up with things uh, and then I have notes I made post like I was like oh well, I got to make like a big comeback special so I'll get all the news so uh, this this would be messy at best but you're here you're here because you want the colorful commentary I mean the news is actually secondary that's why people come here because they want to hear about you know my my insights into the grand scheme of existence uh, in Japan specifically. I assume. I don't think you're coming here for the news. Are you coming here for the news? It's interesting question. There was a man last June who took a woman hostage. I actually remember doing this story at an internet cafe. So it was one of the staff went into the room, and then he got a knife, and he like held her captive. Uh, for 32 hours, there was a standoff, because the police didn't want to go in in case the guy hurt the woman. The police really just waited until he fell asleep. And then they went into the room... Caught him because he was asleep at the time, because the police could do shifts. If you're a kidnapper and you've kidnapped yourself in somewhere public, you don't have the ability to sleep, which is an interesting problem. I hadn't actually considered that. The police can just like keep swapping off cops. You will fall asleep eventually. Your body will just give up on you. That's the the what happened, and that was last June. We actually already talked about it. The interesting thing for me, what is the punishment? For taking someone hostage for thirty-two hours at an internet cafe, twenty years. So that's significant. So you're going to prison for twenty years uh, for a standoff. You couldn't win. Like there was no there was no good way out. There was you couldn't be successful. I guess I didn't ever actually. Now now I'm thinking about it. What was the desired outcome? What was success in this case? Because he wasn't ransoming her. I don't remember if he had any demands. Now that would be the thing. What were the demands he was making? Uh, Because he didn't get those either. This was a, I thought this was a very interesting. So there's no order to these. I'm actually just going to go through all the papers I have and just do all the stories. I kind of don't remember the stories that are written down. So the order or anything. So this, some of it might surprise me too, which would be fun. The author of Stray Idle Hell. He's looking to retire. Uh, the English translation of the, uh, the title, Stray Idle Hell, is Booty Royale, Never Go Down Without a Fight. Um, the thing is, this, it's been a comic for about eight years. The sales are good. Why does this man want to retire when he's, you know, as far as manga goes, on top of his game? The statement he put out was, "...due to family household circumstances... I will not be in an environment where I can draw a manga full of boobs and sex on a monthly basis. And give no more details. So this is a guy who's got a job. And this was an interesting thing because I started expanding it to other people with similar sexually oriented jobs. not necessarily sex workers. One of the cosplayers I follow on Twitter, she's doing that exclusively now. Back when I started following her, her job was editing porn videos. Like that was her job. It's not that she was particularly interested in porn or I don't know, maybe she was, but she was willing to do it. So she edited it and she like would, you know, do color correction and she would try to, you know, fix the lighting problems that they had. And she would maybe even do, um, some CGI work, you know, get some blemishes out and stuff like that. So if you have a job that is sex oriented, but you work from home, you've set yourself up with an interesting set of problems. Because this guy, he has to draw sexy anime boobies all day. But he also wants to get married and have a relationship and a wife and kids and stuff. So it doesn't say if he has kids. This The implication is that he's going to get married. So he needs to retire from making his booty royale, never go down without a fight manga. <laughs> yes, chat, you join uh, Ninja News Japan. And I'm talking about boobies. That's just, yes, normal. That is normal. But I'm not talking about boobies. See, this is, you have, to be, you have to be more specific. What I'm talking about is the problem of it being your job to draw boobies and then also want a normal life, which you cannot do. So this guy, now you, you have thrown me off. I'm laughing now. This guy, his job is to draw a manga full of boobs and sex. I missed, I missed my calling. My calling was drawing anime movies. Anyways. So, yes, his statement was: due to family household circumstances, I will not be able I will not be in an environment where I can draw a manga full of boobs and sex on a monthly basis. So he has to retire. So the question for me really is. Is he going to continue doing anime? Is he going to continue doing manga? I guess it's manga, not anime. Is he going to continue doing manga? Is he going to continue being an artist? Or does he have transferable skills? And he's actually going to quit this relatively successful. Because it's said, sales have been good for eight years. And I know manga is a particularly tough job. It does not pay well. It's a slog. It's hard. But the people join it for love. In this case, maybe love of sex and boobies. But then now he's got the question of, if I get married... Maybe there's real sex and boobies in my life. Maybe I don't need the manga anymore. But then he has to change jobs. And does he get a job that sucks his will to live and has to like give up on his dreams? I guess the ideal situation in this would be to find a fan who loves his manga and marry them. And then they would be actually be happy that you could draw manga boobies all day. I don't know if it's in my notes now, again, because it's just too many notes or what I did before I got sick. But the uh, there was a guy, he's 40, and he, he married his idol. He married his idol. And that, to me, I guess, is the dream situation. Because you're seen as gross and pervy, but then if you actually marry the girl and she's happy with you, you're not really gross and pervy anymore. So it's an interesting sort of dichotomy. If this guy who draws Aunt manga boobies all the time can marry a girl who actually likes manga boobies, he's, he's won the game. Like, that's it. He's actually just the winner from that point on. Okay, so this was an interesting problem. At 4.30 a.m., now, if you do something at 4.30 a.m., it's already suspicious. Even if you're doing completely normal things. So, like, let's say I walk my dog at 4.30 a.m., that is suspicious. Why is he up at 4.30 a.m. walking his dog? If you go out and you decide to change the oil in your car at 4.30 a.m., it is now suspicious that you're changing your oil. There was a guy who would go to the river at 4.30 a.m., and throw 1.5 liter bottles into the river. And so that was suspicious. Now, it's a suspicious thing to do. To just take a big bottle and throw it in the river is already suspicious. If you've waited until 4.30 in the morning to do it, it is extra suspicious, so people started looking into it. What he was doing was he, t- he was taking AA batteries. What he was doing was, though, he was filling the 1.5 liter bottle with AA batteries, and then, like, full, and then throwing the bottle of batteries into the water. 20 other full bottles of batteries have been found. And so this violates the waste management law, because you can't throw away batteries in the garbage. You actually have to recycle them properly. You can't throw them in sort of burnable garbage. You certainly can't throw them in a river where they're going to poison the river if you do enough of it, which he clearly was doing. He was doing this since May. So what was he doing? Why was he doing it? Was he trying to kill the river? No, what he was doing, he was buying uh, AA batteries and using them in his portable phone charger. And he was going through 40 to 50 batteries a day and he didn't know how to dispose of them. So he would bring them home, fill up a bottle full of batteries and then just throw them away the only way he could think of, which was in a river, which clearly is a bad idea. But this leads to so many other questions. Why not buy a rechargeable battery charger so you don't have to fill it up with batteries. So basically it's a box. You put like six batteries in it. You close it. You can connect it to your phone. It will charge your phone. And then he runs that all the way through probably in an hour because he's probably buying the cheapest batteries he can find. They have like 100 yen stores which are like dollar stores in Japan. And they sell these things of like 12, 15 batteries. But, of course, those are pretty low-quality batteries that don't last very long. He's probably buying a bunch of those. If he's going through 40 to 50 a day, he's probably spending like 500 yen, 5, 10 bucks on batteries. But he's getting like 100-some batteries, which is going to last him. But in this case, it seems to last him like two days, which is insane. Uh, this is clearly against someone who has not thought through the whole process of their life and has really messed it up. I have been trying to find, this is before I got sick, so I think this case, I'll never find out what actually happened, but what is the punishment for this crime? It is clearly, clearly a crime, but it's also clearly a question of, does this person even really know what they're doing? Ah, here's the story! My God, the one I was referencing earlier uh, when we were talking about anime boobies. A 47-year-old man married his favorite idol, who is 20. They met in 2020 when he was 44 and she was 17. Now, everyone's going to go, ooh, this is gross. I've always thought, yes, the big age thing, it can feel gross if it feels manipulative. But if both parties are going in aware of what's going on, I actually don't see a problem with it. She debuted in Osaka. He lives in Oita. It's like an eight-hour drive or a five-hour train ride. He would do it every single week to come see her band as she performed. She noticed him. He clearly wasn't creepy enough for her not to find attractive. Because I think the biggest problem with these guys who are obsessed about idols is they're all creepy and gross about it. This guy clearly wasn't. He was just come every single week. He was nice to her. He would talk to her. He would, you know, probably pay the extra five hundred yen to take a picture with her. She found it endearing. They knew each other for multiple years, two or three, and then they got married. So I think for like again, uh, nerdy anime dudes, this proves that the dream can happen. I saw a picture of them. He wasn't unattractive though. And so that's going to go a long way because I think the other people in this situation tend to not care for themselves in such a way that they would not be found attractive by a 20-year-old girl, which is the first problem. It has nothing to do with idols and nerds and stuff. It's if you're close to 50, the expectation that a 20-year-old is going to find you attractive is pretty unreasonable. I actually think. I'm 50. My expectation is that no one in their 20s would look at me as a sexual being. (laughs) Just, that seems like a reasonable stance to be in, though. Like, I'm like, okay, a large age difference, sure, but in my head, I'd be like, 30 would be the low end. If they were going to be like, actually like, oh yeah, Chunkman Beef Chest is attractive in some way, I would assume she's older. If I met a 20-year-old, my base instinct would be, this girl does not find me attractive. Most people who have a genuine simping problem have something going for them psychologically, I believe. It was a normal dude that I'm... It's pretty rare, I'm thinking. Yes, this story is pretty rare. And it's actually told inspirationally, I think. So that that other guys who simp on idols have hope. Which is a false hope. Which I actually think that's maybe the problem. The way I'm telling the story is basically just the facts. He met, but one of the most important facts is that he was not an unattractive dude. I'm not saying he was hot because he wasn't my type, but clearly he was charming in some way to the girl. So the news is like, Hey, you know, your dream can come true. The dream can happen. And they were all like, really like fantastic about it. Basically selling something to a bunch of simps that they were never going to get, which I think is wrong. Cause the first thing should have been like, check out what this guy did to himself to make him attractive to the woman. If you do that and you're not gross and creepy, the dream is possible. I'm just waiting for my first simp. <laughs> Which will never happen. It'll never happen. Ah, oh, it's so sad. I am so clearly realistic about the podcasting and the, and the Twitch streaming and stuff that the only people who are going to hang out are people who actually want to hang out and chat. And that's it. And that's actually what I want, though. So that's great. So again, I'm living in the real world. Ah, oh, this was a weird story. So in Osaka... A man decided to put his baby in a hotel fridge freezer for a short time, is what he said when he was arrested, for a short time, to take pictures. So they don't explain the situation. He wasn't trying to kill his baby. So that is actually, like, you put a baby in a freezer, I think the idea is that you're trying to kill the baby, but... I think what he, because there was like a heat wave going on, or it's just natural summer in Japan, because it was so hot, he thought, "Ah, oh, I'll take a cute picture of my baby. I'll put my baby in the freezer and it'd be like a joke, like I'm keeping my baby taken care of. But of course, this was found out. This was clearly a TikTok slash Instagram kind of thing. He wanted to take pictures of the baby, put it online and make jokes about it. Like, oh, it's so hot. This, a couple of years ago, a uh, bunch of kids working at a convenience store got in trouble because one kid so there's like the ice cream freezer but it's kind of open so he and it has that sliding top and so one of the employees slid it open the other employee got in closed it and then took a picture but of course they are lying on all food that people are going to eat so they got fired this guy is he's got the similar mindset he's like it doesn't matter what i do to my baby as long as i get attention for doing the thing to my baby so this was found out probably because he put the pictures online Now, I've always had a thing in Ninja News Japan talking about if you're going to commit crimes, you should not take pictures of it and then post those pictures. Now, this guy obviously doesn't realize that putting your baby in a fridge is a crime, but it is because it's child endangerment. The boy suffered, yeah, the child, it said boy, the boy suffered no health problems because they were only in the fridge for a short time. And I was like, ah, what is the punishment for this? To be always the most interesting part of a crime story is what's the punishment. For putting your baby in the freezer for a few seconds and then taking a picture, the punishment is 300,000 yen. (laughs) I'm not condoning crime. I'm condoning, uh, if you're going to commit crime, do it properly. (laughs) What I'm condoning is excellence in all your efforts. If you're going to do it, do it right. If you're going to commit a crime, don't leave evidence. That's... That's the problem. Don't leave evidence of the crime you're committing. That's the first one. I watched a lot of CSI when that show was popular. I know, like, I'd shave your head and cover, make sure you don't have any skin showing so there's no skin flakes. Like, I'm not just... It's not take pictures. It is, like, DNA evidence and stuff. Anyways, 300,000 yen fines. That's about $2,500 for putting his baby in the freezer for a few seconds and then taking a picture. The police found other abuse pictures or evidence on his smartphone and laptop. And then I was thinking it's probably just other, <laughs> my Ted talk, let's commit crimes. Pro- if you're going to commit a crime, at least commit it properly. Thanks for coming to my Ted talk. But they, they found more stuff on his smartphone and his laptop, which I assumed was just more funny pictures that he was posting on TikTok or Instagram or something. Uh, but again, it's, they're labeling it as abuse because he's probably doing shit that's really bad for his kid. So he deserves it. I'm wondering if those cases will be stacked, though. Is this just like one case of child abuse? Or is every picture he's taken where he's put the child in a weird situation considered abuse individually, and then therefore each fine is stacked? Or then does he end up with, like, jail time or something? Uh, Again, I'm looking into... I always try to follow these up, but once the initial sensational story's out, they don't tend to, like, follow up with more details, which is frustrating. But uh, that is just the, the world we live in. There have been, while I was in Canada, animal attacks in Japan. So, people like dolphins. I've never, I've always found dolphins suspicious. (laughs) I've always been wary of dolphins. Like they have like an ulterior motive. And then you hear all the nice stories about dolphins saving people or fighting off sharks and stuff. I don't buy it. I'm suspicious that dolphins got something else going on. In Fukui, between July 24th and August 12th, So basically just up until last week. There were 17 dolphin attacks at three beaches. One person needed 14 stitches on their left thumb from the dolphin bite. So it's thought to be an Indo-Pacific bottlenose dolphin, which I don't know if that's racial profiling or not. I don't know. Because they're saying it's based on the physical characteristics, which I thought the police were not supposed to do. But I guess they are just doing a description of the dolphin. But the dolphin, this is very broad. So I think it's bordering on racism or speciesism or something like that. That's the problem we're running, actually running into, is the Japanese police are known to be just a suissant of racism. It's gotten better, if I'm being honest, but there is still a lot of old school Japanese cops who just think everyone who isn't Japanese is a problem. But anyways, these, there were three beaches, 17 attacks. Dolphins are now sus. You should be careful of your dolphins. There were also a horde, the article that I read, a horde of wild monkeys attacking people. There were 50... Ah, I actually have 38 scratched out, 42 scratched out, 58. So 58 was the last number I read. I actually didn't read this morning's news because I've been really busy. 58 monkey attacks. So it was, it used to be, and this was a weird thing, okay? Okay. So it used to be, as in previous years, it used to just be kids sometimes. So the monkeys would see a kid. Kids, uh, they say if you go to a monkey park. So they actually have a couple places in Japan where there are like free roaming monkeys. They're little, little tiny ones. And they say, don't make eye contact with the monkeys. That's a sign of aggression. The monkey will attack you. As an adult, you can understand that. But I took my three, four-year-old son to the monkey park. And I said to my son, do not make eye contact with the monkey. But of course, the first thing a little kid's going to do is look at a monkey. He's going to look him in the eyes. Because he's entranced and in in love with the idea of a monkey. The monkey on the other side is going to look at the three, four-year-old boy, staring him in the eyes and thinking, I'm King Kong in this house, you're going down. So the monkey charged my son. So what do I do as a protective father? I booted the monkey. Now the monkey is, okay, so we've got Dave in the background. Dave is 10, but not even 10 pounds. The monkey was smaller than Dave. I don't, I'm not proud of this. Um, I kicked the monkey and the monkey went really, really far. And I felt really bad. The more airtime the monkey had, the worse I felt. But it was like slow motion, like, oh, I should not have done that. But then there's a part of me going, what else could I do? The monkey was going to rip my son's face off. My son, being a little human, doesn't know how to fight yet. He doesn't know how to protect himself. He would have just stood there and had his face ripped off. I had to do what I had to do. And I feel terrible about it. But now, with this story coming out, I'm wondering if maybe that monkey was telling all the other monkeys... You know, humans, we got to get this going. It reminds me of a time when I was a five-year-old, saw a documentary about monkeys on Nat Geo and all the aggressive body language things. Yeah, but you don't forget that. Like, you don't forget it, but you, as a kid, you can't control yourself. If you you make eye contact with a monkey, that's like a spiritual moment for a human being. Like, when you make eye contact with an animal and that you feel this, like, soulful thing, the animal's not thinking that. The animal's like, is that thing going to eat me? So you going to fucking eat me. Guess what? I'm going to eat you first. That's how that's, that's, that's where we as humans have fallen off. We should never be making eye contact unless you're either going to bang one out. So you make, a, you make eye contact with your lover, deep eye contact, but that's trust. Anyone else eye contact should be going down. Should be this. It's on. So this is it. We as animals have lost that instinct. Animals have not, and that's what we forget because we keep projecting onto animals our feelings of love and admiration, and it's such a beautiful thing. Now, it's a fucking monkey, and it's going to eat your face, and it's going to go tell its friends it ate your face, and it tasted good. That's what it's going to do. So anyways, the monkey attacks. A horde of wild monkeys have attacked 58 people. It used to just be kids sometimes, and then it said, and then this was the, the line that got me, now even adult men... So this is when it became a problem. So when it's attacking kids, ah, other you know, kids, we got a lot of them. Actually, we don't. That's a big problem in Japan. Um, but now you're attacking the adult men? That is not acceptable. We're going to have to fix this problem. Uh, the, the the actual secondary problem is the monkeys were then breaking into people's houses. <laughs> they're kidding with me. Yeah, no, I that monkey. How long do monkeys live? I'm assuming a little monkey is probably dead by now. But the legend that he told to the other monkeys may have grown. And now they're looking for me. That's a very real possibility. I'm not scared, though. I'm ready. Because I'm an animal. There's a YouTuber called Gassy in Japan. Uh, They do reveal videos of scandals. So usually, like, famous people, like, oh, this person's sleeping with this person, this person's cheating on their husband, that kind of stuff. Um, so it's a fairly popular YouTube channel. They live in Dubai, Gassy the, the the YouTuber. They decided to run for government from Dubai by only running online and were successful. Gassy actually got voted into the Japanese diet as a politician. And this actually brought up a question because like, there were two politicians who did something similar. And I was like, ah. Oh, Can you live in Dubai and still be a politician in Japan? Because now we do everything remote. Do you actually have to be in Japan to be a politician? If the people voted for you when you live in Dubai, is it not acceptable for you to stay in Dubai and be a politician? So this is actually a real question that Japanese politics has been struggling with. Because they said you have to come back to Japan and... Then actually attend at least one diet session, so one, like, parliamentary session. Sorry, my nose is itchy. You have to attend at least one parliamentary session, uh, or, okay, the first time you get a warning, which requires an apology, and then you get a, a suspension, and then if you do it again, you get an expulsion. So far in 80 years, there's only been one expulsion from Parliament. Gassy says... That if he comes back to Japan, he's actually going to get arrested on fraud charges that he says are not true. But he says that the police are against him, the government's against him. This is why he became a politician, so he could change the system from the inside. But he can't come back to Japan, because if he comes back to Japan, he's going to get arrested for fraud, which he says is fraudulent charges. So his fraud charges are fraudulent. Boom, there you go, you got a problem. So then the Diet got together and said, we are going to ban staying overseas if you're in government. So they're looking at Gassie specifically, saying Gassi doesn't want to come in. We're going to make that a new rule. Fraudception. That's quite good. I actually make you make that the title of today's episode. My writing so bad. I'm not sure that's right. Anyways, the upper house committee voted unanimously. ...about banning living overseas, and he should return to Japan as soon as possible. And if he declines, it will be called an unexcused absence from Parliament... ...and he will lose his seat in the government, which I find is an interesting proposition. Because the interesting proposition is, he was voted in by actual Japanese voters in this situation. The idea that the government now is going to dictate that that situation must change seems really unfair. They are absolutely going after this guy. They're going after him and it feels unfair, which actually makes me feel like the previously mentioned fraud charges that he says are trumped up actually might not be real. That he's actually protecting himself in a real way. I'm, yeah, it's it's the kind of thing that that you're never going to know because his job on YouTube was exposing politicians, exposing famous people for being dishonest. And so that's the kind of person that politicians and and police and famous people would go after creating false charges. So all of this actually makes sense. It'll be interesting to see where it ends up, because logically speaking, Gassi should just accept it and not be a politician and then just continue his YouTube channel. But he wanted to make real change. And so that's an admirable trait. And people voted for him. So is democracy real? And the answer is no. Here's a Japanese lesson. Japan, The, the Japan Weather Association has decided that hot, so in Japanese that's atsui, hot it just isn't enough anymore. We have too many kinds of hot days. So they created new words. And the new words are, if it is 35 degrees plus in Japan, Uh, They're going to call it Moshobi. And that is a ferociously hot day. It is 25 degrees plus at night. It is going to be Netaya. And that is a tropical night. Uh, If it's 40 degrees plus Celsius during the day, it is Kokushobi. And that is a cruel heat day. And if it's 30 degrees plus at night, it is going to be which is a super tropical night. So there are four new words, not really new words, because they have definitions, so they're already existing. But the Weather Association has decided that these words are going to be used when they do like weather forecasts and stuff. This is What's happening now in Japan is you're getting 35, 40 degrees during the day, but the humidity is making it feel like 45, 50. And I cannot go out for like Being a white Canadian, this is like the worst possible set of circumstances for me. If I go outside for 10 minutes, I walk Dave. I actually had to change my shirt when I came back. I was just so gross. And even living in Japan, I feel like I've acclimatized to Japan, which Japan was. But climate change has actually taken an impact that the summers are hotter. And I haven't acclimatized to that. So I have to like reacclimatize to something that's even hotter than what I have acclimatized to. Just going back to Canada actually makes it worse. When I was in Canada, the hottest day was like 28 degrees, but I was on Vancouver Island, which meant there was a breeze off the ocean the whole day. So it felt like 25. It was just absolutely perfect. So going from that, coming back, it's not actually as bad as these numbers now, but coming back from that to to the 30 degree weather has been tough. I am very uh, against punishing kids in a weird way. Uh, but Japan, it's because Japan goes too far. I got detention when I was a kid. Detention's is fine. Uh, I got no problem with people getting detention, stuff like that. In Japan, they always take it too far. Punishment is is too harsh. So two high school kids, they go on their summer trip. And the summer trips is like a school trip. And they go for like three, four days. Classic cliche one is we're going to go to Kyoto. And it's you take a high school class and they all go to Kyoto. What happens when you have a group of teenagers who go on a trip and they're not unsupervised, but... You can't supervise 30, 40 kids at the to, at the whole like at one time. Two teens broke the rules. Uh, they stayed in each other's rooms, which again is pretty predictable. So they they stayed in the same room overnight. And again, that's bad. I would sit down and have a talk with them. But at that point it's done. And what you should be talking to them about is about having safe relations you don't actually know if they did it but they are teenagers so Whew, they did it uh so then they're like okay we're gonna punish these kids so while everyone goes out for the day you're gonna sit on that bus and you're gonna sit on that bus the buses are gonna be turned off which means they're just hot boxing those kids concentration camp slave punishment style of course that meant those buses and we just talked about the hot weather they just got hotter and hotter and hotter they just got steamier and steamier while they're sitting alone uh, the two kids, of course, basically got heat stroke. They, did, they were young, so they didn't get sick and go to the hospital, but both complained of headaches when they got home. Then the parents said, why do you have a headache? And they said, well, I had to sit on this hot bus. It was like 45, 50 degrees all day. Uh, then the parents, of course, got upset. The principal apologized, but I mean, <laughs> Japan still has the thing where people get arrested because they've left their kid in a car and the kid has died. That is a relatively common news story. How can you not know that this is a dumb idea? And these are supposed to be the teachers. And I actually just wish teachers were a little smarter. I wish criminals were a little smarter, and I wish teachers were a little smarter. I kind of wish everyone was a little smarter, but criminals and teachers, they need to do their work better. Uh, What happens is pachinko is a game. It's a gambling game. In Japan, it's that one where you put the ball in and it shoots it up and it goes tick 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 and it falls. It falls in the slot. You get more balls to shoot. So it's designed to be addictive. Now there's other sort of digital games going on in the background. You get people who are essentially addicted to this. Uh, They'll like I'll I have my kid in the car. I give her a drink, let's say. Uh, I'll just go in for ten minutes and play one game of pachinko. Then they're in there for four hours. They haven't left the air conditioning on in the car. Kid dies. It is a not common news story, but it probably happens every year, a couple times. There's, there's two or three sort of death stories that happen every year. And I don't, do, I don't cover them in of Japan because I often want to make fun of what I'm talking about. So I don't tend to do death. But that's why I'm not making jokes now, because this is actually like real kids die to this every year. And it's kids die while their parents are playing pachinko. Or around New Year's, they actually do a, this is so awful, they do a tally of how many kids and old people have choked to death on mochi. So you get soup and it has sticky rice in it. And then kids, of course, don't regulate themselves very well, so they take off a huge bite and then chew and then choke. But, of course, everyone else is talking and drinking, so they're ignoring the kids. The kid dies. Uh, same thing happens. Old people take a bite that's too big, or they can't chew very well, so they swallow it's it too big, and they choke. And they die, but because they're quiet sitting in the corner and no one cares about them anymore because they're old, uh, they die. So every year there's kind of a tally of how many people have died from mochi, but it's actually the number's been going down because people are now more aware, and I think they just eat less mochi. That was all extra just for Utah, so I'm gonna do this again. A man was arrested outside the U.S. embassy, and so there was the assassination of Abe, and the assassination of Abe has um, my concern. When it happened, was copycat crimes, and but the guy who did it, he made the gunpowder, he made the gun. All he'd learned, he'd gone on the internet and learned how to make all this stuff. It was a homemade gun, homemade ammunition, homemade everything. So I was like, you should be concerned about copycat crimes, but the level of industriousness that this guy went through to create the weapon which he used to kill Abe is on a different level. So the average person isn't going to be able to go through that. Here's our first example of someone failing at this concept. A man was arrested outside the U.S. Embassy. He had homemade gunpowder that he was going to throw at the building he learned how to make the gunpowder on the internet. He was specifically targeting Americans in the U.S. Embassy. Now, I don't think anyone told him, and I'm happy about this, that throwing gunpowder has very little effect on a building. Uh, the assassination of Abe was shocking. That's actually the next and last story. I'm going to talk about some fallout from that, so that's exciting. Throwing gunpowder at a building... Will have negligible effects. It may stain the building. If you were then again to throw gunpowder at a person, the worst case scenario, I believe, would be it goes up their nose and makes them sneeze. Maybe if they got enough of it up their nose, it would make them sick and cough and stuff. Maybe you could get some in their lungs. But thankfully, while this person went through the effort of learning how to make gunpowder. They didn't take the second step of learning how to make a gun and therefore couldn't actually do any damage. So that's what I was meant when I said we should be concerned about copycat crimes, but at the same time, we only need to be concerned about copycat crimes of people who are willing to put in the effort. And that's always been the problem. Taking the gun. So the question is, what if you light the gunpowder on fire? So I have a handful of gunpowder, throw it at a building. Then I have to go to the building and light the gunpowder. So that takes time. If I throw the gunpowder at you and it lands on your body, I then have to light something and get it onto your body. So this could be the, 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 I take a lighter and I light it and I, I bring it, I'm going to throw it and then you go, and then the lighter, Oh, then I'll do it again. And then, so it's just like an endless trying to light you on fire. And by that time you sweat so much because it's so hot in Japan, all the gunpowder's washed off. And actually, there you go. I didn't even think about that. The sweat probably douses the gunpowder and makes it so you can't light it anymore. The guy who killed Abe, he wasn't actually directly angry at Abe. He was angry at the Unification Church, which is a Korean cult called the... uh, We actually, when I was young, referred to it as the Moonies. They've actually changed their names, but it's the Unification Church. And they indoctrinate people, and it seems pretty scary. What had happened, again, this is your quick summary. uh, The Unification Church had taken basically this guy, all his mother's money, and ruined his family. Shinzo Abe's grandfather was also prime minister, and he is the one who brought the Unification Church into Japan as an organization. So the shooter was looking for a high-level church member, didn't find him, saw Shinzo Abe making a speech on behalf of some other politician, thought his grandfather is the guy who brought the organization in that ruined my family, he's my target of opportunity, and then he used his homemade shotgun to shoot him, Shinzo Abe dies. Now, this has brought a great deal of attention on the Unification Church and its activities in Japan. So 100 lawmakers. Again, this was another one where over the weeks, it was like 20, scratch that out, 50, scratch that out, 100 is the final number I've got. 100 lawmakers, so politicians in Japan, have links to the Unification Church, which means they've taken money or they've spoken at their, uh, like, a, a thing sort of organized by them. Turns out that the Unification Church actually had a science program that was in some Japanese schools because they donated the materials and the schools, like many schools in many countries actually sometimes don't have enough money, they were willing to take this free stuff even though it came from a cult. Never saw the material, so I never saw if it was actually like legitimate stuff, but it was a science course. 100 lawmakers though What percent? The first thing I was like, well, is that a lot? Because maybe there's thousands of lawmakers. It's 100 out of 712. So that's one in seven lawmakers in Japan had some kind of link to the unification church. And 80% of those 100 were in the ruling LDP party. So this has made Kishida, our current prime minister, look really bad because the links there are now connected to this church. Uh, What was security doing? That's a secondary question. So, Japanese politicians do speeches in public because Japan's a very safe country. Having no guns, they actually, security doesn't tend to put a lot of consideration into guns. They're actually more worried about knives. So for that consideration, uh, they have three or four guards. So let's imagine imagine like uh, Abe sitting on, standing on a box. And he would have three or four guards right in front of him and then the crowd. So the crowd would have to get through security to stab Shinzo Abe. That would be the concern in Japan. There were two security guards behind him and a road. Those security guards were con- were concerned more about cars and people on bicycles coming in and trying to crash through and get Abe that way. A lone individual walking up from behind was not considered a significant threat until it was too late. So that's actually what happened with security. There's been a lot of analysis of that. It's actually honestly very interesting because... We live in a gun-safe country, therefore gun security is not considered a significant issue. If you watch the video, which was online, it probably isn't anymore because it is someone being killed. Uh, You'll actually see a man throw a briefcase up. The briefcase was actually bulletproof. So they do have some security elements in place. Uh, But the briefcase, it's supposed to be open so it can cover a maximum amount of space on the person you're trying to protect. So one security guard, once he realized what was going on, tried to do it, but it was too late. So this has changed the face of security in Japan. That's actually, again, something that's being revised right now is when the Prime Minister goes out. But it's really sad because politicians in Japan used to be able to just walk out in a crowd and be perfectly safe. That's not going to happen anymore. But, okay, so back to the actual, back to the Unification Church. So a huge drop in approval ratings for the current government because 80% of the ruling LDP have connections to this church which is now a very suspicious entity. Kishida didn't respond to the questionnaire and survey uh, that actually was asking if you have connections to the Unification Church, which makes him look really bad. So they've had a really huge drop in approval. So that has actually led us to a very interesting point where this guy's goal was to expose the Unification Church. He killed the Prime Minister, which seemed unconnected, but it actually led to a probe exposing the Unification Church. There are actually protests in Korea because they're saying the Unification Church is being made to look bad in Japan. But in a weird way, and I don't want to like promote this guy, he's achieved his goal, which is really scary. Because I don't want to say that's a good thing because it's not. But also, the Unification Church does have all these links in the Japanese government. It is the kind of thing that shouldn't be there. What happens now? There's the National Tax Agency and a huge amount of their money uh, comes from taxes on alcohol. And young people are not drinking as much as they used to. 50% of young people don't drink at all. And so they had a contest called Sake Viva, and what they're doing is up until September 9th, you, a person, can come up with a uh, campaign to to promote drinking in young people. You can, if you come from any sensible country, see the problem. Uh, it should be targeting 20 to 39 year olds. Uh, they're asking for products and designs to attr- because Corona has kept people away from like bars and stuff, which is a big source of income in Japan. Um, in 1995, this is another interesting thing. In 1995, the average uh, it was 100 liters of alcohol were being drunk per person. In 2020, it was down to 75. So the number is already going to go down. The alcohol tax in Japan is 1.7% of the entirety of Japanese revenue. So they don't wanna lose that, that's actually a huge chunk, because all those other taxes are from other things, but 1.7% is a massive amount, if you think about it. So they were the party. Then they turn around, of course, and say, hey, let's promote alcoholism in Japan, and there was immediate backlash online. The government should not be encouraging drinking, Uh, they should not be dictating lifestyle choices, and then the health ministry is then on the other side where they're like, ah, yeah, like, we don't want to say that the tax guys are bad, but also we don't want you to drink, so moderate drinking? So this was put everyone in a really weird space because... They don't want to lose those taxes, they want people to keep drinking, but drinking's not good for you, and the Ministry of Health is like, maybe don't do that. Uh, Taxes aren't supposed to be the main consideration, but the government doesn't want to lose that money, so then you're in this like spiral of, oh shit, what did we just do? Which is very much how things work when you deal with government agencies.